Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We'll, we'll move on to Nemo, who gave a session of his own three times over. Um, I sat through this session, participated in this session and thought it was fantastic. But we'll just hand over to Nemo now um, to get an explanation of what he was up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of the reason I have no voice other than the karaoke is trying to deliver a session in a very noisy room. Uh, but it was excellent. Well, I enjoyed doing it, I should say. Uh, I gave a session on critical thinking and uh, how it affects those that leave the Mormon church and um, the lack of critical thinking that some members end up leaving uh, with because the church essentially teaches us to have others do the thinking for us. So it was an opportunity for people to start thinking about how to think critically, how to regain those skills uh, that are there, that we do have, uh, and a lot of us are very capable of. What we did was we started off with a couple of examples of uh, critical fallacies or fallacious thinking, uh, logical fallacies, and then we... We then split into groups, into smaller groups within, and I got people to start coming up with examples because I thought it was really important that people hear logical fallacies coming from their own mouth as well as um, just reading examples of them. Because if you can hear yourself making that mistake, you hear yourself doing that, then you realize that, uh, oh, these things can go out of my mouth as well, and you can stop yourself from using them, hopefully in conversation it gives you the opportunity to uh, stop yourself because at least then there's one rational or logical party in the conversation if you yourself uh, can keep yourself free from logical fallacies so that's what we did in the group um nothing particularly profound but it was uh, it was enjoyable for me and a lot of people seemed to take something from it that was nice I beg to differ. I think it was pretty profound. Yeah, it was very profound. Yeah, I blew my mind a little bit, to be honest. And I was only on number, I think, how many of them did you have? 15. 15. I think mm. I probably cracked about two of them. And I just suddenly a light bulb went off in my head on how many rubbish conversations I've had by my own doing, going round and round in circles like I was in some kind of Jerry Springer show, because mm. I just hopped from thing to thing to thing in the weeds constantly arguing a point that wasn't even the original um wasn't even the original subject so i yeah that's definitely for me i will go back over those and learn them and understand them and try and try and take them on and that was the really two good. things that i think yeah that was the thing i tried to really help people with was um if you're trying to have a useful conversation with someone it's important to stay on topic and things like straw man arguments ad hominem attacks all that sort of stuff can be used to get you, like you said, Laura, to defend a point you were never even making in the first place. One of the examples I gave, if you don't mind me giving it here, BD, is um, mm-hmm. uh, a woman says to her husband, um, I would rather, I'd rather adopt a dog than a cat. And the husband says, why do you hate cats? And so then she ends up in a position of arguing for cats, arguing about why she does not hate cats. But that was never the discussion. That was never her position. But she ends up giving ground to her husband, allowing op- opening up tons of space for him to make arguments about how much he loves cats and even having to make pro-cat arguments herself because, you know, 
all of a sudden she's defending a position that she never even had because he's used he's built a straw man version of it uh and that's that's what a lot of people will do particularly post mormons and the example i gave for the post mormon community and progressive mormon community was um a mem someone says to a believing member since i discovered issues with the truth claims of the church and stopped attending i discovered i've had more time to spend with my children and i'm financially better off and the believing member says so you left the church because you wanted more time to be sinful and worldly and you wanted money no that wasn't what they said and the member could get uh, or the the post mormon uh, very often we will find ourselves saying no 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 that's not that's not it at all no um, I didn't want to sin. I never wanted to sin. And then you get off in the weeds about your desire to sin when actually your real reasoning was to do with the truth claims of the church. But the believing member can't deal with that. So they've got to move the conversation somewhere else. So my advice to everyone listening would be don't get caught up in defending a position that you never held. If someone's using ad hominem attacks, don't get caught up defending yourself when you're not the thing in question, the church is, or whatever it is you're discussing is. Um, and the best way to do that is just to not engage and re-steer the person back onto the topic that you were talking about because that's how a conversation will actually be productive. Otherwise, like Laura said, you just go in circles. Yeah, and I think the one one of the things I took from it is something that you, you said there as well about that's how the TBM member deals with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that a lot of people still in church think when they're having these discussions are oh, right i'm gonna i'm gonna use this tactic to try and take it apart i think it's a natural defense mechanism because what that person is now presented with is someone who's possibly a loved one possibly someone they one of their peers that they looked up to who was now in the church's eyes being deceived by satan so that person needs to understand why that happened and needs to find a, a reason right there in front of them. What was it that you did wrong that led you to this point? Because that will make them feel more secure. It will make them feel more comfortable. Mm. Like um, Julian's got a beard because uh, Julian, I don't know, did something better in his past and he's got a bitching beard. I can't grow one, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm okay with that because I didn't do the thing Julian did. And it's kind of the reverse of that. Yeah. Like um, Julian's now an ex-Mormon because he stopped reading his scriptures because he wanted to go and watch Match of the Day every morning or what, whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know. But you can say, so that was your problem. You didn't have time for for Jesus in the morning, mm -hmm. you know. Because what the they, real, they've got to real put you in was. a position that is opposite to mm -hmm. to yourself as the believing member. They can't be like you because if they're like yeah. you, there's the chance that it could happen to you too, and you can't deal with that. It has to be, it, it can't be for a legitimate reason because if it is a legitimate reason, it could happen to you too. And we, you can't conscience that. There you go. Okay. I think, I think that also invokes empathy. If you bring it back to that feel, that idea of this is all that's happening here. They don't hate you. You don't hate them. They are just trying to create distance for their own well-being because they're feeling emotionally uh, unsafe. Mm. And so when they do that, I think if you can manage to keep your head in the right place, understand critical thinking and remember that, I think mm. it's a lot more of a productive conversation. That's one of yeah. my favorite things to, that I, I got to say to people was, I introduced people to the idea that 
individuals are not the ideas they hold. People are just vessels for ideas, right? And actually, one of the hardest conversations you ever have is with someone who is possessed by ideas. They've allowed ideas to control them. That these ideas take them over. Um, they just become, you know, they just become controlled by an idea that they don't truly believe themselves. Um, but people aren't yeah people are vessels for ideas so don't go attacking people for the ideas they have you need to contend with their, their ideas go on, yeah and i was just gonna um, go along with what you're saying there i think that is especially true of something as a motive of as this you know and this is something that we've talked about a lot before um when referencing the the work of jonathan Hyde, this idea that actually we're not motivated by reasoning we're motivated by emotion and then once we've made an emotional choice um a lot of the conversation that comes out of that is just post hoc reasoning mm -hmm. you know we become the lawyers for those decisions that we've made justify yeah yeah exactly and, and so these conversations are often not very constructive at all because we're not getting to the root of the real problem which is why you feel that way yeah and i think julian the emotion is massive in it uh i remember standing outside a chapel one night and my best friend at church telling me that he was going to go get a tattoo and when he said the word tattoo my heart just dropped everything just drained out of me because i was a believing member at the time and i was like how can you go and do that to your temple to your body you know I had massive issues with tattoos. I wouldn't even let my kids put like a, a transfer on. Um, and yeah, like the emotion just hit me. So, yeah. And, and I think like another kind of general observation from Thrive is that when you, you get in these conversations with people, you realize that these are all people that have left because they really cared. They really took it seriously. No one has, has walked out of this because of some flaky reason, because of, of so, you know, on a whim, because of something that they wanted to do, some way that they wanted to sin. These are the people that took it really seriously, and um, and I, I think that that's that's something that, that comes across really, really strongly. And so often, and I know this is really controversial now, but often the the people that stay are the ones that are there much more because of a feeling that they've got because of how it makes them feel or some sense of loyalty or something that's much more grounded on an emotional level than because they've studied the mm -hmm. the scriptures and because they've yeah. the sound understanding of the doctrine. Yeah. Uh, and I think Doug, Doug sums it up well here. I read a quote recently that said something like, you can't reason to talk someone out of something they didn't use reason to get into. Yeah, I did. I, I gave that quote, great minds think alike, Doug. I used that quote in my session. You can't reason someone out of a position they were never reasoned into in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've done just all Just on the... that. Um, oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just um, I'd, I'd, while people were sort of, all the conversations I had, people were sharing. I did a little list of the reasons they actually gave for leaving, like what the triggers were. Um, so I'll just read that really quickly, if that's all right. Um, I'm f amazingly, none of it was pornography or tea. Um, so one was discovering that the earth is older than 6,000 years. 
Uh, one, having a child uh, coming out as LGBTQ, uh, discovering the history of the racism and black people and the priesthood. Um, very frequently, it's reading the gospel topics essays and discovering how much you were lied to. Um, seeing the temple ceremony, ceremony online for someone. Um, the appalling state of the organization from top to bottom and how it doesn't have a place in mod modern society and reading the CES letter. And basically all of those are very rational, intellectual, thoughtful reasons. Then they are about truth. They're about discovering reality, you know, not, not being deceived or bamboozled by Satan or evil vibes or temptations. Obviously, we're a bit self-selecting. Maybe there are a lot of people who just leave to go and have orgies, but they, they obviously wouldn't come to thrive necessarily. Um, so Not we are sure. sort of the nerdy end of the spectrum. <laughs> that came later. Um, but um, I think, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to throw that in there, that you just keep wanting to shake the people who are still active, who label everyone who leave as just doing it because, as you've already said, they weren't reading the scriptures enough or they didn't, really have a testimony um and i've i've literally had that last sunday from someone talking about when their son left um and it's like i know that guy had a testimony like he was in for decades and um it's it's just you know they've got no other scripts and and i think things would be transformative if they actually woke up to why people are actually leaving but then they might do those things and leave themselves yeah so it's everyone wants to keep it still yeah. i mean nemo's um Nemo, what I, I was sort of having a slightly different experience because I still go to church. And I think I was the only person there who still does regularly. Um, and basically, I had lots of quite deep conversations with people who basically think I'm mad and can't imagine why I'd want to. You know, while being respectful that I do, they're like, but why? Why would you even do this thing? And, I, and so I'll, I'll just, in a sense, offer a slight counter view of someone who does still find something worthwhile or, or hope or potential within this actual religion on its own sake, as it were. Um, Nemo's given me a load of homework now because mm -hmm. as he was trotting off the, um, the logical fallacies, I kept thinking of scriptures that actually contradict the logical fallacies or in a sense support their ideas. So to give two examples, the hasty generalization is where you find one aspect of one thing is true and then you would just assume all the rest is true which is absolutely typical of how Mormonism works. I felt good about two verses in the Book of Mormon. Therefore, 200 years later, um, whatever President Nelson just said about gay people is must also be from God, you know, the big generalization. Well, Alma 32 completely negates that. It says, do the experiment on the word, but don't get cocky with it. You've only found the truth by testing it of that one thing, this, that one seed you planted. You're going to need to plant more seeds to find out if the other things are true as well. So there's a scripture against hasty generalization. And Doctrine and Covenants 121 negates the appeal to authority. The appeal to authority is you must do these things because I am an ordained leader and I have the Lord's anointing, therefore what I say is true. And Doctrine and Covenants says in 121, um, no, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by reference to the priesthood authority of a person. And the second they do that, their priesthood goes. So I'm on a little hunt, if anyone wants to email me or message me, uh, for where are the Mormon scriptures that actually um, 
you know, negate, uh, are, are congruent with the idea of the logical fallacies. I've got one. Um, because, <laughs> go on. <laughs> go. Oh, so, it's not upon the outward yeah. appearance, but upon the heart, which yeah. uh, negates ad hominem arguments because it's about, it's yeah. about what, yeah. it's about the uh, message yeah. someone is trying to share, not about who they are as a, as an external yeah. person or what you might think of them. Yeah. So thank you for that. So I, ju I just think, again, mate, while we're discussing using the an awareness of the logical fallacies when dealing with super frustrating TBM members who use them all the time, we're not just coming at them with rational responses. We've got scriptures we could quote. Um, and I think that could be really powerful and it speaks their language. So that's something I'm super excited by. Thank you, Nemo. That's really got me thinking on oh, Julian. Together on that at some point. Yeah, I just I just wanted to say something else on this. And again, I appreciate that this might be controversial, but I, I do think it's really important to state that I'm not for a second suggesting that the people that haven't left the church uh, aren't as intelligent as people that have. We we're ex it's exactly the same on both sides. You know, I I don't think people leave the church because they they are rational and reasoning their way out of it i think again we're moved upon by something emotional and then that and and then the reasoning kicks in to kind of justify those feelings you know so that list that you gave that you read out peter every one of those you can see well what is the emotion that would drive that um you when if i made the the comment about you know when you pour your heart into it and you put so much effort into it and then you learn that you've been lied to that that's not a, a rational response that that is an emotional response that that fe that feeling of betrayal that feeling of shame you know wow I, I thought all these things were true and I've I've even spent two years of my life telling everybody these things and now I feel like a fool that that's an emotional response so these things work on work on, on kind of both both sides here you know we, we're all reacting to these emotional drives um, and you know, doesn't matter how intelligent you, you, you the, the, the more intelligent you are, the, the better your mental gymnastics to some extent, you know, so, so yeah. I'm not for a second saying that, that because I've, I've left because I'm more, I'm cleverer than anybody else. That's no, that's not the case at all. Okay. No, and no, totally because there are very intelligent people still in the church. So it's, it's purely, there is definitely not a kind of the more intelligent you are, that's the point at which you you drop out because your intelligence has gone past. It's it's an emotional thing, um, and then that's the secondary. What the emotion leads you to. So I totally agree with you there, Julian. Or, when you or, when or you that, said that yeah. at the event, I thought, of course you reason your way out of it. But now that you've said it again, I'm like, no, I I know many like universe people with masters and phds who go to church every sunday and believe that the church is six thousand years old or believe that what whatever it is because mm -hmm. they've had the emotion that confirms that to them and they don't need to look at the other stuff because they've had the emotion so yeah peter and, quickly and their intelligence is, yeah sorry and that yeah and their intelligence is starved of information so I think often these triggers are where people got access to information that being kept to them. They, we'd all been using our, our, our intelligence within a certain 
body of information of what we thought the facts were. And it's then discovering the facts actually very different. And then you use the same intelligence, but okay, but that doesn't support the traditional narrative. So, you know, as, as Doug's saying, it's about a bubble of emotional comfort, but also uh, an absence of knowledge. You know, we didn't have the facts at our disposal to use that intelligence on. And most of these triggers are about discovering those truths. Yeah. Okay. So just to wrap Nemo's session up, Nemo, during the session, you provided a document uh, that had a list of all the logical fallacies or the, the most common ones and examples and explanations of what they are. Are people still able to get a copy of that list online? Yeah, I mean, if you Google 15 most common logical fallacies, you'll find a lot of very similar lists. You know, I took a lot of the information from various websites and sources. So uh, the only things I really made it myself were the examples as they related to kind of the post-Mormon community. And... Sorry, I'll get closer to my mic and say all that again. Um, essentially, you can find it online. If you look up a list of logical fallacies, you'll find it. Uh, the stuff I made up was essentially uh, the post-Mormon specific things. Um, but that's all in my personal notes. So um, that's lost forever, I'm afraid. Okay. Can I can I just say how lovely your your fancy new mic sounds, Nemo? <laughs> well, all the way back there, you couldn't hear me, could you? Yeah. No, no, we can still hear you. I can oh, hear well, you. I didn't yeah. realize. And and your your um, fancy new mic is is very nice as well, PD. PD. Oh. Yeah. But but do you know what, do you know what's better than one fancy new mic? What is? Two fancy mics. Look at this. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be outdone. Um, Peter. I I can't help but notice a lack of fancy new microphone. Do we need to help you? What? What's a fancy new microphone? I've got my I've I've got a classic. Where am I? I've got my hey. my snowball. Oh, nice, nice. That's all oh, you need. All right, let's. Like uh, you shaved him with that as well, Peter. <laughs> Peter, Is it double as an electric razor. If you did, can... you, did you ever see that Woody Allen film with the orgasmatron? <laughs> no. This is about to get weird. Peter, if you continue to play with your toys, you will be kicked out of the stream. <laughs> we are live. Uh, so uh, other treats from the daytime. The food was amazing. And there was so much of it. I don't know if Catherine or Sean told the venue that there was 500 people coming or if the Lord just said a prayer on the food first. But the, it, the buffet, it was like a medieval buffet. And after 60 people had been at it, you could have come in and been like, oh, when are they going to start eating? And everyone had a plateful, mm. and there was just so much, and it was all top quality. And so I ate good. a lot of pork pies. Yeah. Like a lot of pork pies. Yeah, the prawn sandwiches. Mm. Particularly I, delectable. I thought... It was a step up from munch and mingles with a with with some penguin bars and a cold pizza. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've not been to Solihull. Solihull does munch and mingle. Shout out for Solihull's munch and mingle. It is excellent, but they don't do macaroni cheese wrapped in deep fried macaroni cheese. What was that all about? I had never seen that before. Dream? Was that amazing? Sorcery. It was yeah. It was like yeah, just heaven fried. Mm. I wish. Sorry. I really wish that I had some. Uh, photos and, and and you know deliberately and like like everybody else deliberately didn't take lots of photos because you know the reality is there are going to be people that were there that wouldn't necessarily want to be associated with the likes of us <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, there was one, that one discussion after the food, there's one discussion in that room and you've got this wonderful kind of medieval room with suits of armour and two thrones as well at the table with this banquet with a massive plate of pork pies. It was just fantastic. I'd love to have had a picture of that. Yeah. No, it was it was great. And another little surprise that the organisers had up their sleeves for us was a free ice cream from an mm. ice cream man who only spoke Italian. It was lovely ice cream, but we, we got this instruction. So we got tickets, and, and you can redeem one ticket for one ice cream, one ice cream. And Catherine gave us an idea of where this ice cream van was, and I think it, <laughs> that must have been the game. I think yes. now she was totally, like, macking on us. That's the game because she gave very vague directions. This ice cream van was probably about half a mile, three quarters of a mile away in the end. Mm -hmm. And we passed about four or five ice cream stands along the way. We even got to the place where the ice cream van was, but the ice cream van didn't know it was there and wasn't there. And yeah, it was, it was a, I was getting ready to get my hand cart out and my kind of like pinafore and (laughs) and go on a trek. It was miles away. Oh, I the, love that. I love. I yeah, thought it was. Like, lot, I love the Mormon chaperone halfway through. Yeah, yeah. Sean was just stood there going. The chaperone. The way, the way I say chaperone, guiding us up. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be a treasure hunt, or maybe there was a where's where's Wally kind of activity on the way. Mm. Something that it felt very very Mormon. That, six, I liked that. Six people never returned. I don't know if you know that. They never. <laughs> really? They're still, never they're still out there now looking for this ice cream van. <laughs> Well, I thought the funny thing was, it was like right next to a busy park and Julian was constantly having to tell members of the public that they couldn't have ice cream because this particular ice cream van didn't have a license to sell ice cream at the park, but it was still able to pull over and give us ice cream because we had the tickets. But people were just starting to queue up in the queue and Julian was having to go around to small children and say, you can't have ice cream. I'm wow. sorry, you can't have it. Wow. It's not my exactly idea. how he was there, PD. Well, I felt bad for you. <laughs> awesome. And then, and then I swear I saw him steal an ice cream off a child uh, <laughs> and throw it on the floor. <laughs> you can't have that one. It's not licensed. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right. At this point. And then the next morning, you guys abandoned us and we had a freezer full of magnums. So I had to eat six bloody magnums for breakfast on Sunday. I didn't and know I did... there was magnums. And I didn't eat any of your yes. custard tarts. I love custard tarts. I know. Still got them in the fridge. That would have been very soothing on our poorly throats as well, Peter. Oh, yeah, it would have been good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. we've we've gone on for a long time, but we are mm. about to get to the final part. But I want to ask people in the chat, especially those across the pond who have been to a Thrive somewhere in the States or wherever, what happens at the end of Thrive for you? Because I think mm-hmm. up until now, it's been pretty much similar in the workshops, you know, uh, healing together and different things. But what happens at the end of Thrive for you? We're about to say what happened for us and what happens at the end of all of our um, kind of get togethers, Sunstone, Thrive, wherever it might be. Um, in the UK, very different. <laughs> but what happens for you in the States? Do you all just go home and kind of like, you know, pat each other on the back? While and... they're doing that, I want to say to Maven that it's not only Peter's childhood self that is uh, considered eating six magnums for breakfast, living the dream. 
his adult self considered it living the dream. He was a very happy boy. He sent a picture to us and everything. Yeah. And I don't know. It was great. I didn't even feel sick. I'm doing it again. (laughs) (laughs) If in the States you're wondering what a magnum is, I don't know if you have or if they're called something else there because a magnum in the States is something else. Um, it's it's an it's ice a cream. Chalk ice on a stick. Please, ice please don't have on. visions <laughs> of Peter gobbling six magnums. Oh. Um, it's an ice cream, um, right? <laughs> so the end of Thrive. Um, a lot of people went to put on their glad rags, and we came back, and I never thought I would stand in a room with John DeLynn and scream frozen. We're the champions and just everything at the top of my lungs. Mm. And John was the worst of us. Like I'm not saying the worst as in worst singer. I'm saying he was an animal. He was amazing. Like he was DJing this karaoke. And when we think of karaoke, please don't think of really embarrassed people with a couple of mics at the front singing badly. Imagine, and I wish we had more photos that we could share publicly. There are videos, but they're secret because there are probably people in the background who don't want to be ID'd. Probably people on the mic who don't want to be ID'd. <laughs> but it, it, imagine 30 people in a room. Oh, so see if we can focus place. that. Oh, is that with John? Yeah, not quite coming into focus. Yeah. There you go, John Delin on the mic. He was just wandering around his tall self with a microphone, absolutely smashing out the ballads. And Julian, dark horse Julian, talk about golden pipes. How did you enjoy it, Julian? Oh, I loved it. You've never done karaoke. I've never before. Did, no, no, John, John popped my karaoke cherry. This was a this was Deling karaoke. This was mm. this was a different different level. Yeah. It was it was incredible. It was awesome. he said at breakfast the next morning that it was like he's not done karaoke like that anywhere else. So hey! he said it publicly as well. Hey. American Thrives, you need to step up your game because we we went hard at karaoke mm. that night. It's the reason yeah, that, that like forty eight hours later I still can't speak properly and it's the same for <laughs> the a lot of us here. So I, I'm, I'm going to wax lyrical about karaoke now. And so this could just come out really bizarre. But for me, there was a lot. Like, I'm really, I'm a real fan of, of ritual and the importance of ritual. And, and it was a ritual, you know, that was, it was like a, an, an ex Mormon sacrament. And, and I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way. When I say that it was just this beautiful opportunity mm. for us all to come together and participate and partake um and there was no egos and there was lots of love it was just fantastic absolutely fantastic jacob berg points out in the comments there if you want to throw that up on screen pd talks about singing imagine in a circle and we did we sang john lennon's imagine in a circle together there were a few songs actually that john got us together to sing um that were more kind of poignant to the ex-Mormon experience or to those that leave the church. That was something that he uh, kind of fed into the situation. It was beautiful. I got a bit choked up with that, with mm-hmm. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I, th- yeah. I think talking about what you said about you've got a group of people here that they they were hardcore. They wanted it to be true. They put everything into it. So then when you put something like Believer on 
and you do the swing of the video around and everyone is shouting pain you know yeah. at the top of their voice and then just like really just yeah it was just beautiful and it was just a real lovely lovely moment of everyone very cathartic mm. um but just like a, a and it was so there was actually interesting you're going to talk about the fact that we had people in there that were not oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get to that because uh, I was doing my best. I was doing my best Dan Reynolds impression. I had the microphone upside down like this during Believer. Uh, I was going for it on that one, but then yeah, I turned around and saw that Lynn had befriended some people that had wandered up from the pub downstairs. Uh, never been Mormon, so I don't know how you convert someone to ex-Mormonism, but Lynn bleakly managed to do it, uh, and they appeared and they just joined in and they were loving it. Yeah, the thing was. All the windows were open on this 16th century pub or 17th century pub, right? And we're upstairs. I went for a walk uh, earlier in the evening to uh, call my kids and say goodnight. And I was maybe, I don't know, a quarter of a mile down the street and I could still hear the karaoke. And we're in like the Roman town of Chester where people go for culture for a nice relaxing weekend <laughs> to see the Roman ruins and, and the walls and the castle. And all they can hear are a bunch of ex-Mormons screaming at the top of their lungs, let it go, let it go. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and do not imagine that it was just a couple, like I said, a couple of people got up at the front. There were five mics and every mic was full, every song. And they weren't just full there was at least like three or four people around every mic mm -hmm. and then around them, everyone else, there must've, every song must've been 20 or 30 people just screaming it's at the screen. Great moments stood between you and Julian, like all, all both of us on either side, Julian leaning into his mic like <laughs> this, just belting. Yeah. yeah. So it was great. amazing. Yeah. It was, it was karaoke therapy, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. Sure. And it was actually, I think it's, I'm going to jump in on Julian's point about this. I think it was sharing the microphones in some ways was the therapeutic part of it. A couple of people gathered around a microphone. It kind of gave you a focus and everyone was kind of just putting this stuff out there. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. And I think I didn't even know some of the people I was sharing the mic with. We were singing cheek to cheek, not yeah. the song, but we were literally cheek to cheek, you know, mm -hmm. five points of fellowship get lost this was amazing <laughs> um and, and and like i say the clarion call went out to chester because mm -hmm. we could not stop people just constantly coming up from downstairs and joining in yeah um, and there's some of them we had to get rid of because they were joining in too much but you know just just random people and i'm like i've not seen you today and he's like well i don't know we, we're, we're doing karaoke so i don't know what's going on here but karaoke is going on so we're here it was amazing it was it was amazing. There, there was a nightclub opposite emptying and people actually crossing the street because we looked like we were having more fun yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we we partied hard and we um yeah i think we cemented and kind of let go of so we cemented a lot of our desire to move forward and let go of a lot of the pain that people had kind of expressed during the day uh that gave a really cathartic opportunity for people just to, to get it out and I think with this going forward, it means that there is a group of people already that 
that those barriers are broke down so you come together and you will instantly hit the ground running but please please because i know that there's some people that don't feel like they can come to thrive or sunstone or anything because they're they might be traveling on their own and they don't know anybody and especially if you feel like there's already like a, a group of people that know each other come in you will be welcomed come in sit down join in and just join the movement that's happening in the uk because it's on its it's on its way mm -hmm. um and and it's a friendly friendly bunch no absolutely and i think uh yeah even on the facebook group afterwards people coming on and saying i didn't know anyone but thank you everyone for you know just welcoming me and different friends that they'd made someone someone they didn't know anyone but then they realized that when they got there they did know people because someone said to me you know oh do you do you remember me and i'd served as a missionary in their ward 20 years ago and gone to dinner at his house and sat with him at dinner and we didn't recognize each other straight away by face but i was like he said oh the house with the lake and i was like yes and then all the memories come back and you've got that connection so there are people there who you know you will either you will know somehow because we're all connected let's be honest the uk is a small place when it comes to mormonism or you will get to know very quickly. Um, and the party didn't end after the karaoke. At midnight, Peter dragged Lynn kicking and screaming back to their Airbnb. Um, but Clint, Jenny, uh, we dragged them out to a club called Cuckoo for a further two hours until they kicked us out um, at 2 a.m. But yeah, it's just a kicking end to what was an amazing day. I think... For me, there was a lot of broken people kind of walking around after being stripped back in those sessions with Clint and Jenny and having done some serious kind of soul searching and looking inwards for the first time. And then, as Julian said, the karaoke came along and it just sorted all of that out. So we're going to go to final thoughts now, everyone. Mm. Um because we've been going a little bit longer than I thought we would, but I think we've we've talked about some really interesting stuff, and I think we've brought out some things that, um, you know, none of us thought we would. So if we can go around and get your final thoughts on Thrive UK and then what we've got next coming from, from you guys. We start at the top with Laura and Julian. Uh, just a massive, I thought it was, um, <clears throat> that it was well structured. The venue was beautiful. Um, I thought that, um, it, it provided, <clears throat> provided space for the conversations. The karaoke at the end was just absolutely brilliant and done really, really well. Not just the, someone comes up and sings, why, 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 Delilah? Not that there's anything wrong with that song, but it was, it was done so well. Um, there, if you went and you enjoyed it, spread the word, spread the word because there was a couple of people there or there was somebody that only found out the day before I flew in from Zurich in order to be there. But oh, he only found out the Jacob. day before, Jacob, yeah. yeah. And he partied all night with us. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he was there till the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah, right to the very end. Um, and so um, spread the word so the people have a bit of time to plan for some of this as well. Yeah, totally. It, uh, it really gave me a sense of, of how privileged I think we are in the UK to um, to have a really good 
community that is bordering on family, but without all the messed up stuff. Nemo. Um, I just want to take this opportunity really to plug the fact that if you are listening to this from a country outside the UK or the United States, fear not, um, because I've made it my personal mission with the blessing of Jenny and Clint to bring Thrive to as many European countries as I can. And what that looks like is I will turn up in your country, I will set up a very small informal Thrive event, as many of you can come as you want. So we'll start to make those connections. I probably won't come back for a while, but you guys should start doing something again and build and build and the Thrive organization will support you. They'll send you the funds to get a venue to make all this stuff happen. You can then sell tickets and all they'll try and do is make the money back. And they don't mind if they don't, to be honest. So it's it's going to come to wherever you are. There's an event in Berlin next month. There's going to be an event in Poland coming up in the future. We're planning an event up in Scandinavia as well. The Netherlands will come soon. Um, so reach out. If you want to see Thrive in your country, let me know and we'll see what we can do because this is an experience I'd want as many people as possible to have because it was beautiful and my cold British heart was melted. Awesome. <laughs> Peter. Along with my magnums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've often talked about you know the LDS church in exile um, these people are amazing. There's more of them than there are active members of the church in Britain. Now we're down to 11 percentage active. So there must be a huge number of people out there who, who might really benefit from this. And I'm not saying that to kind of create a new church or start a new organization or whatever. Um, this is this is um, been unbelievably helpful, um, you know, high return for just the investment of a weekend um for a lot of people and um so do reach out and invite people along uh, because it, it it's extraordinary and i'm so pleased this is happening and it's people who've, who are bringing all the best stuff they learned from the church and caring about each other and doing it in a much more healthy way with integrity and so on you know um personal stuff i'm 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 editing like crazy i've got footage for a gabillion episodes so I mean, the, the, the depths of a, a series about responding to um, Brad Wilcox and everything he said, um, including the next two episodes to come out, what he said to uh, the youth of Sunderland stake. So we've got a British angle there. Are you also um, going to give us a Fox update, Peter? Uh, yeah, so the Fox, fox shouting is going well. Yes, the, the Fox, the fox is completely not intimidated by my shouting. Like we were in the garden today and it's just trotting along. Mm. It's like my pet now. I'm like, hi, I live in your garden. You can't stop me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's going well. <laughs> but episode, the first Bradgate episode includes some fox shouting. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for all the viewers. Sorry. Hey, Julian. Go hey, for Julian. Can we just um, can we just do a shameless plug for the Sunstone Conference as well? Yeah. Um, so if you went to thrive and enjoyed it if you're listening to this and you didn't get to thrive and you think that sounds good then please come and join us on the october 7th to the 9th so friday 7th to the 9th so it's two and a half days yeah so that's going to be held in solihull in the west midlands um it's gonna it's absolutely fantastic we're going to have discussion groups we're going to have um presentations presentations community uh, community space some well-being all of that kind of stuff plus karaoke 
We tried to do hip hop karaoke last year. We couldn't because of COVID. Having seen Thrive, we absolutely it's have definitely to do happening. It. Yeah. yeah. So so please join us. Um, you won't regret it. No, fantastic. And I was going to say, um, Thrive. Yes, it will come back. But first, we've got a Sunstone again. And we will you will... come and sleep on our couch again? I will. Yeah. That's that's become a tradition. It is, yeah. Um, the the second night, I end up on Laura and Julian's couch after not intending to get as drunk as I got. So two, twice in a row now. So let, let's make it three. Um, send send your kids away though, because I, I don't want to scar them for life. If they <laughs> wake me up in the morning and I uh, I do my fainting goat thing. <laughs> okay. Thank you everyone for being here. Thanks for all your messages in the chat. And I feel like we've we've just carried on the the feeling of thrive for another couple of hours this evening i can't wait for the next one uh we may even show up at some of the ones in europe if nemo invites us um not that we'll you know nemo's nemo's like multilingual so he will translate for us um i'm sure at lightning speed but sunstone's coming up watch the video that will be up on nemo's channel soon uh, of the one hour before Thrive, kind of three pri- uh, pre-Thrive with John. Um, but for now, thanks, everyone. Please like and subscribe. Um, if we can keep up with the Heaths, um, you can uh, see a link down below f- to leave your tips in PayPal. But for now, we'll see you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.